0: sleep well the night before, which was true last night. When I did sleep, I had a dream that I did not think was a dream for a while, and in that dream, I was convinced that pot roast was necessary during the sermon today for all of you. (laughs) So my dilemma was, where am I going to get pot roast in the middle of the night? How am I going to prepare it? And then how will we have time to disperse it to everyone and still preach a sermon? So when I woke up, it was very clear that that was not true. <laughs> we didn't need any of that. What's also clear, clear is that uh, we need to pray. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's pray together. God, uh, I know that it doesn't matter that I'm tired. Um, you are the creator and sustainer of all things. You can use my tiny little brain and my vocal cords to speak. And we just trust that that that's what you're going to do today, God. Um, Already those songs that that were chosen, they were darn near perfect for for what we're talking about today. And uh, God, I, I just, I thank you, Lord. You are so, so good. God, will you help me to not rush, to be slow, Lord. Will you help us just to sit in your presence, God, and be with you, Lord. We speak so that we can hear from you, God. In your name, amen. All right, so we're in 1 John 2, verse 18. I'll let you turn there. So it starts off, it says, "'Children, it is the last hour, "'and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. "'So now many Antichrists have come. "'Therefore we know that it is the last hour.'" Um, I feel like there's a lot of things that I have to explain in this passage. Um, some of them I will explain them kind of quickly. Uh, so he starts off children, right? He, he's not uh, talking down to them. Um, he, uh, he probably views them as, as, as spiritual children, you know, people that he cares affectionately for. Um, he's probably older than, than them as well. Joe, uh, just the other day, he said to me, Enjoy your youth. And Joe often says that to me and other things like that. And Joe can say that, because Joe, how, is it okay if I ask how old you are now? I think I think I know. Are you 87? Yep. Hearing aid's not on. That's all right. <laughs> that proves my point, actually. <laughs> so Joe can say stuff like that to me, and it's not offensive. It's not even weird. If Matt said to me, Greg, enjoy your youth, I'd look at him funny. <laughs> right? So, so Johnny says, He says, children, it is the last hour. Now, uh, like I said, I don't preach much. Um, I do teach. I teach regularly with the youth group. Um, Somehow there feels like there's a different pressure being up here that's probably the same. But this is what Gary has to put up with. He reads all these books about Scripture. And uh, uh, he gave me a couple to read. Uh, This part, I don't know if you'll think this is funny, I think this is so funny what this guy says about what does the last hour mean. Because obviously, like this last hour he wrote about, it's almost 2,000 years later now. So, this is what it says. The last days will themselves have last days. A period of grievous moral and religious decadence. Similarly, the last times will have a last time. In which ungodly scoffers will arise. Nor is this all. The last time of the last times will have a culminating last time. When our eternal inheritance will be revealed in the same way, the last days of the last days will have a final last day. When Christ raises the dead and judges the world. I feel like if I would have written that in school, I would have gotten an F. (laughs) But (laughs) what he's saying actually, it actually does make sense. And he he gets more into it later, which I'll, I'll read this to you now. So, um... And if you're like me, like as soon as someone starts reading a long quote, I like blank, and, and, and I, I think I make a face that looks like I'm paying attention, but really, the, my eyes have rolled in the back of my head, so don't do that right now. So <laughs> it says, John could state on theological grounds that the last hour had struck, but this was not the same as affirming chronologically when the last hour would actually end. Okay. It was because there are many Antichrists that John could affirm that he knew that it was the last hour. Um, He says nothing is so damaging in the study of the New Testament prophecy as to imagine that the eternal God who stands above and outside of time is bound by the clocks and calendars of men. It is still the last hour, the hour of final opposition to Christ. Um, So... uh, I love the Blazers, and they did something pretty cool the other night, beating the Houston Rockets. I'm only going to talk about this twice (laughs) during this time. So, uh, man, we were so excited, (laughs) so excited. If you didn't watch the game... It looked hopeless, with 0.9 seconds left, right? My son is up with me. It's like 10-something. He goes to bed at 8 normally. He's demoralized on the chair. My daughter says she was awake. She was asleep. Um, I'm preparing Caden for there to be a game 7, right? I'm telling him, like, man, this is going to happen. It's, there's not much hope. And we're down by 2. Uh, we. I'm not a part of the team. Um, anyway... Um, the Blazers are down by two, and Caden just says, man, I just hope they take a three and end it. And I'm thinking, yeah, it would be phenomenal. Anyway, Damien Lollard, he doesn't even run off a couple screens. His guy just wasn't guarding well. He shoots it nails it, right? Caden just starts sprinting around the room, <laughs> screaming and yelling, which I have no idea where he got that from. Because um, <laughs> I was doing it the other way. <laughs> and then at one point, we embraced... Like, so happy. I'm embarrassed, like, how emotionally impacted I was by that moment. Um, Anyway, so we love the Blazers, right? I was anticipating there being a game seven, though, when I was getting ready for this sermon, and I imagine Terry Stotts, who's the coach of the Blazers, um, you know, in in, in one of his last timeouts, as as the clock is winding now, maybe there's a few minutes left, and, and him looking at his guys and saying, You don't even need to look at the time. Like You you can tell. Everyone has been on their feet in this whole arena. They're cheering like crazy. Uh, Dwight Howard, he's been a baby for the last 10 minutes. Like It is near the end. James Harden and his crazy beard, he's been taking those crazy shots, and most of them have been falling. The end is near. And, and, And John's like this coach to his children saying, Come on, this is it. The, the end is coming. Jesus is going to come again for the second time, and, and he is trying to, to encourage them. So verse, verse 19, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. All right, so John doesn't explain exactly what's going on here. We don't, we don't know Who these people were? It seems like he's being really polite and not not saying, "Hey, it was that punk over there, you know, that's talking trash about Jesus." He doesn't he doesn't explain exactly what's going on, but he calls him Antichrist, right? So, um, maybe you're familiar, maybe you're not. But the Book of Revelation talks about this the Antichrist, like the one that that will deceive many. Many will follow him, right? Um, John's saying. We can tell it's the end because there are many antichrists, right? forerunners of the antichrist uh, that are here now. They're speaking lies. They're trying to deceive anyone that they can, including you, and we're all susceptible to being deceived. Um, So we're going to jump to verse 22 and 23 here because he defines this for us. He says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So Antichrist is really simple. It's it's opposers of Jesus, Um, anyone who opposes Jesus. Uh, Augustine, or I always call him Augustine, but I think smart people say Augustine, um, he said this. He said, each person ought to question in his own conscience if he be an antichrist, or where he be an antichrist. And I don't know exactly what he meant by that, but I think that there's something even for, um, for Christ followers in that. Where do I oppose Jesus in my life? Where am I deceiving myself, or letting my culture deceive me, or my friends deceive me, or whatever it is that's deceiving me? Where am I in opposition to Jesus? And we're not camping there, but I think that's a really good thing um, for, for all of us to go... And look at. So he says these antichrists, they're denying Jesus, and if you do that, that is a really big deal, because if you deny Jesus, you deny the Father. You do not get God. You do not get eternal life without Christ. It's only through Christ. Um, Jesus is the mediator. He's the reconciler, the only representative that can make you right with God. This is a really, really big deal. So we don't know what what these guys, he's talking about in verse 19, that aren't with us anymore. We don't know, or with them, not with us. Um, We don't know if they were saying that Jesus was a really good man, a great teacher, maybe even a prophet. Or or maybe they said that Jesus, um, when he was on earth, uh, God used him, the spirit was on him. um, And and then when he died, the spirit left him. Uh, We don't know exactly what they're saying, but they're definitely saying that Jesus was not The Christ, right? Christ means the anointed one, okay? He was not the Messiah, he was not the Savior. Um, It's it's black and white that these guys were not following Christ, they were anti Christ. Um, Verse 20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And I think we just need to sit in that for a moment you as a Christ follower have been anointed by the holy one now if we think about anointing throughout the bible right we, we think of we think of Aaron we think of the priests they they are anointed with this oil right and they were they were marked off for God's special purposes right and we, and we go on through scripture all the priests the prophets king David right he was anointed by God for special purposes we fast forward to Jesus Right, at his baptism, and he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's marked off for God's special use. So John says to these people, he says, You have been anointed by the Holy One. And he's saying that to us today, too. If you know Jesus, you've been anointed by the Holy One. That should bring some comfort, right? Like, that's not like your boss at work saying, man, I think you can do this. I think that you are good enough to pull off this project. Or your coach saying, come on. Come on, Damian Lillard. You can make this shot. You've done this before. That's pretty cool. But that's not God telling you, I have marked you for my special purpose. You, you are anointed. So that should bring us comfort. It should bring us hope. Because God's not a liar. He's true. It should probably challenge us too. Because I don't know how many of us walk around feeling like we are God's anointed one. Not like you're God's only anointed one. <laughs> There's a corporate sense to this, obviously. But how many of us walk around knowing, yeah, I, man, God has special kingdom work for me to be a part of? Because if I'm honest, I get really distracted every day. And I work at a church, <laughs> right? I get distracted every day from from what God wants, but this says that that you are you are anointed by the Holy One, and there's uh, a bunch of people wrote a bunch of different things about is the Holy One God the Father is it Jesus is it the Spirit is it a combo? Yes, I don't know, um, but but it's it's from God, and then it says this, and you have all knowledge, right? You have everything you need to know, and. and it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. Once you meet him, once you trust him, you have what you need to know. You have, you have everything you need to know. Is there more to learn? Certainly. Right? But, but man, God has already given you what you need to know. You need to know that salvation is through Christ. It, it's faith and grace only that you are saved by Christ. You, you, that's what you need to know. Right? And he's, he's, he's affirming to these guys, man, this is what you need, so let's go back to, to Terry Stotts. right? I don't know what he said to those guys when it looked hopeless with 0.9 seconds left. He's probably talking to Damien and Aldridge, who are their all-stars, if you don't know the Blazers. They're, like, they're, their, they're their stars. And, and apparently the play was written up for Aldridge. Damien was the second choice. Um, but man, I'm sure... Someone, if it's not stats, maybe it's his teammate saying, Alders, you got this. You're almost seven feet tall and you shoot like a point guard. Like, you can do this. Damien, you are a point guard. You take a shot no matter what. And a lot of times you make them. Like, he's, he's, he's reminding them, you can do this. You have everything. We've practiced this, this play a hundred times. Like, you know what you're doing here. So, John tells them, he says, y- you know everything that you need to know. Verse 21, I write to you not because you, you uh, do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Um, and that seems like a, a silly statement that no lie is of the truth. Um, and God only speaks truth. God only speaks truth. Like We don't have to worry uh, about, about God lying to us. The deceiver, the evil one, Satan, is the one that, that speaks lies. He, um, it says that his natural tongue is lying, right? So, um, so he's, he's encouraging his guys. He's saying, man, you, you got this. Like, you, you're anointed by God. You know everything that you need to know. And then he gets into abiding. So let's go to verse 24. Actually, I've got to get a sip first, though. <clears throat> Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. <clears throat> and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And just a side note, eternal life isn't just something in the future. It starts now and lasts forever in Christ. It says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to, To deceive you, and it's it's really important that we like we know that this whole world, anything that's not of Christ is trying to take us from Christ, is trying to trick us. Right? Even as believers, like Satan's hope is that we in our faith would become totally complacent, that that we would would not give room to the Holy Spirit to convict us where we need to change, that we would let our culture reach deeper into our lives than the gospel reaches into our lives so that we can think that, oh, man, how I'm living is, is just fine. I don't need to be like one of those crazy Christians that's always trying to do the will of God, that's always seeking out God. Right? That, man, there's deception left and right, and some of it comes from us because we don't want to use our money, our money, the way God wants us to. We, we want to use our time as our time. We, we want to fill in the blank. Um, we don't even need others to deceive us, or at least I don't. I'm pretty good at deceiving myself. So he says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But there's some irony in there, and I hope you catch it. John's a human teacher teaching them here, right? He's he's not saying that you don't need human teachers. He is saying you have the ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit. He is your teacher. He illuminates truth, right? Um, This isn't going to come up there because I didn't think of it. Um, John chapter 14, Jesus talks about the helper. John 14, 16, it says... Uh, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, right? This is the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. And skipping down verse 26, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all the things that I've said to you, right? So we, we have the, the teacher, the illuminator of truth, the Holy Spirit resides in us. That's what Scripture teaches us, right? Like We are always walking around, with our teacher and our helper, if we know Jesus, um, so he says, he abides in you, and you have no need for any anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So, w- what does it mean to abide in him? And I've been wrestling with this all week. There's a ton of things that, that we could talk about abiding. But there are two that were really helpful for me. Um, One is uh, someone explained abide um, in the context of of, uh, to be at home, right? Like that's what it means to to abide is to be at home, right? So Lindsay, my wife, has done a great job of making our house feel like a home. She puts pictures up that I'd never think to buy or place or whatever, flowers, all kinds of things that, that make our home really comfortable. Right? And even when I come home and it's chaotic, we have three kids, right? And, and Hudson, our youngest, um, he's, uh, he's 21 months old. He, he's in the habit, as soon as I walk in the door of yelling, Daddy, Daddy! And it is cute, but sometimes when I'm tired, I'm like, Oh, man, I've got to pick him up right now. Um, and, and my other kids will be in my ear, Daddy, Caden did this, and she did this, and she poked me in the eye, and yeah, I may have kicked him in the face. And, you know, they're, they're doing all... <laughs> I come home sometimes, and it's, it's chaotic, right? Like, it's, it's hard sometimes. And, man, if you have kids, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or maybe, maybe there's someone in the house that you're just fighting with and having a hard time with. Even still, even on my home's worst day, it's my home. It's the place I choose every night to sleep. It's the place where so often I get to talk with my wife and my kids about their day, and find out what was going on. It's a place where I can be completely me. It's likely you will never see me dance, ever, unless my daughter wants dancing at her wedding. I'll probably try and talk her out of it, and then I'll give in. You guys will never see me dance, but at my house, I will dance like a fool with my kids because it's my home. You know, this, is, this is where we live and reside. So, to abide in, what well, it tells us to abide in two things. One is, uh, it says in verse 24, what you've heard from the beginning, right? Abide in the truth of the gospel, right? Abide in God's word, okay? The, the other is abide in, in his spirit, right? Abide in him, okay? So, um, so, to abide in the truth of the gospel and in the spirit is to set up residence there. Like, make this the place where you live, right? So, abiding is a choice. It is an intentional, deliberate thing that we have to, we have to decide to do this because it's not natural for us to abide in the truth of the gospel, what I want to abide in is my own agenda. Every day I wake up and I think about me. I don't often think about other things. Yes, I do think. Okay, I got to make my kids lunch. I got to do these other things. But my first thought is like, oh, what day is it? What do I have to do today? Like I'm, I'm not grouchy, but I'm a little grumbly in the morning. Um, I'm thinking about me, and this is our natural state. Like we think about ourselves. But but he's saying, man, we need to abide in the truth of the gospel. We need to abide in. In His Spirit, we need to we need to make this our our residence. It's interesting um, that He gives us two things: the, the gospel and the Spirit. Um, it's easy for people to not people for me to to abide more in one than the other, right? It's easy. I'm, I'm sure we've met people that man they are all about the Word of God, right? They're all about saying the Word all the time. And they know it well, they can quote it, they can argue with you, they know way more than you. And you, you look at their lives and you're like, you know that stuff, but you don't know it. <laughs> you're, not, you're not kind. You don't seem to love people. You're one of the worst forgivers I've ever met. You know, I could go on and on and on. I'm not thinking about anyone in the room. Um, we met people that, that, that they abide in the truth really well, but man, they don't seem to abide. In Christ, well, or we've met the other, right? Man, they are all about spiritual experiences. They're 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 always looking for for signs, this and that. But but the truth, the Word of God, doesn't seem to be a part of their abiding. So so there's, it, it's a both and, right? It's abiding in in the truth, and abiding um, in God, abiding in the Spirit. The other way that that I, I thought of um, with abiding. Uh, I thought of my son, Hudson. Again, he's 21 months old. We have a dog named Gus. Gus is not a watchdog, but when someone knocks at the door, Gus just starts howling, and he thinks, I don't know, he thinks something really bad is on the other side of that door every time, and he wants the whole house to know it. So one time, this generally scares Hudson. One time, I happened to be holding Hudson, and we were fairly near the front door when Gus just comes tearing in, howling his head off, and Hudson somehow just climbed right up me as i'm holding him grabbed onto both ears with all of his might as if they were little handles that would save him and his his stomach is in my face and it hurt man like he is ripping on my ears man i think that's what that's how we need to abide sometimes we just gotta grip on to god and cling to him right some sometimes Sometimes it's like, God, I'm hurting right now. That person who's supposed to be my brother in Christ, what they said, what they did, man, it killed me. And every part of me wants to lash out at them or or go find other Christians to hang out with. But your word tells me i got to forgive them and that you can do that in me, even though I don't feel like it. God, your word tells me that you are glorified when I reconcile with my brothers in Christ, my sisters in Christ. Or maybe it's like, God, I'm so stressed out right now. My world is falling apart. Your word says not to worry, but to come to you and pray. It says to trust in you with all my heart and lean not on my understanding. And God, I don't know if I can do that. But I need you. And we cling. We cling not just to the word or just to the spirit, but both together. And we plead, God, help me to stand firm. Help me to stay here. Help me to continue to make this residence in you, even though it's so scary right now, even though in my little brain it doesn't make sense right now. Man, we, uh, we so badly need God's word. Um, and I think it's really hard for a lot of Christians to actually read the Bible. And, and I, I think that because I've lived that, right? Um, Psalm 119, it says a ton of great things, but um, a couple. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Your word have I treasured inside my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word is a light unto my path. And it just goes on and on and on. And we live in a, in, a, in a really wild time. Like, on my phone, I have the Bible. I have multiple Bible apps, right? I have, I don't even know how many translations are available to me on my phone. And it is awesome. And if we went back and told, like, the Apostle Paul or John, we said, John, you aren't going to understand this at all. But we have these things. And and, anyway, I don't even know how I try to understand it. I don't need to. But we we tell them, like, oh, we've got all these translations. You don't even know about those yet. anyway, we can read it any time we want. And they would probably say, well, that's awesome. So, like, do you lose sleep because you're just reading the Bible all the time? No. We, we don't, actually. In fact, a lot of the time, we, we get on Facebook and Twitter and play this game called Flappy Bird, which is really addicting. I actually don't read it nearly as much as you'd think considering the access that I have to God's Word. And I think what, what, how I justify it is I say, man, I'm so busy. I'm so busy right now. Like i got, I got three kids. i got to get them to practice. i got to do these things. And you know, I'm working in all these different places and blah, blah, And Yeah, I'm busy. But, but the access that I have through my phone now means, it, it, well, like a couple weeks ago, I'm at the doctor's office. He's running 30 minutes late. Somehow I thought, oh, I should read my Bible I got to read my Bible for 30 minutes that I did not plan to. It was awesome. Sometimes when I'm stuck in traffic, and I mean truly stuck, not like rolling slow, but actually stuck, I'll break out my phone, and I'll read God's Word. I'm going through a unique season in my life right now where I just want the Bible so much. And I, would, I wish that this had been my whole life. I hope that it doesn't end. I'm fearful that it will, but I'm in a, a funky time right now where I just, like, long. I just long for God's word. And part of it is because over and over again, man, I just, I realize I need it. I need this truth. Like, I need to cling, like Hudson, to my ears. Like, I need this truth so, so badly. So we've got to learn to abide in God's word. There's way more that we could say about that. We've got to abide in God. For me right now, um, I'm just recognizing how much I need to slow down. And part of that means, uh, like turning off my radio. you know, I, I listen to a lot of talk radio. Actually, that's uh, almost the only thing I listen to. And I'll get into my car a lot, and I just realize, what am I doing? Not that it's inherently bad, sometimes it is. Um, but I just need to shut it off so I can hear from God. I go home for lunch most days, and Lindsay works uh, half the week. So, ha- half the uh, half the week, I come home and the house is empty. And again, I, I, what I want to do is turn on my talk radio. Um, but sometimes, uh, I don't know, I'm assuming it's the spirit <laughs> that says it, or I don't know. But but I realize, like, man, I, I just need to sit here in silence and eat, and listen, and think, because often, like, our prayer life, we we or I view it as like. I talk, 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 and then I say amen and I'm done, right? There's no listening a lot of times. In fact, it's pretty strange just to sit in the quiet. That's a, that's a weird thing for us in our culture right now. I think Christians, for a long time before us, probably think it's weird the way we do it. Um, anyway, so for me, I'm just I'm realizing like how much I need to slow down, how much I need to get rid of the noise. Um, I, I, I've realized that running is such a good thing for me to do, and I don't—I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. There's something about it, it clears my mind. This exercise, I—I I go, I try and run the the trail down at the Lake Heritage Trail, and a lot of times my habit is I'll I'll listen to a sermon the, the first half, and on the way back I just shut it off, and, I, and I, it's amazing, like how God focuses me and and, and speaks to my heart things that that are significant, things that I really, really need to hear. Um, there's something for me about connecting with God in the outdoors, too. Like, I just, when I'm in the woods, or, or actually, even just driving down Highway 14, do you ever, does this happen to you? You're driving down Highway 14, and all of a sudden, Mount Hood's there. Like, how do I not notice this every day besides the clouds? Every day, every day that it's clear, how do I, how do I miss this? Like, how am I that busy? Like, my God made that right like we need or i need to slow down i need to i need to get outside and 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 look at what my creator has done um gary read for us uh from john 15 and uh, that's going to be your homework for this week if this is your first time here we don't i don't think we've ever given homework um and homework's not even right i shouldn't call it homework i'm going to call it the thing you get to do this week um go read john 15 several times um and in fact, read it in different translations. Even, it is it is so good, it is really really good. I'm, I'm going to read for you just a quote on on um, just about John 15 and, and what it means to abide. It says to abide is to be assured fruitfulness. John 15:14 three times he says that, and also in 15:16 preservation from destruction in 15:6. Hearing from the uh, of the hearing of your prayers and petitions, John fifteen seven. With his words abiding in them, John fifteen seven. Uh, believers are to abide in Christ and in Christ's love, John fifteen nine. They are promised that if they obey his commands, John fifteen ten, that they will remain in his love, just as he obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. It is a great, great passage. It's one of my favorite passages. Um, please read it this week. Abide in it. Just sit in it for a while. Don't, don't feel rushed to get through it. Um, let it be an example to you of, of maybe how we need to live more often in Christ. Um, I'm going to sing a song to you, <laughs> which feels weird to me, um, but it's just so, I think it just fits so well. Um, so what, what we're about to do is we're going to have communion. Um, We've got, uh, we've got stations, we've got communion set up here, there, right there, and in the back. Um, you can come up as an individual. Uh, we're going to have some elders up here, I'll be at one of them. You can come up as an individual, you'll be given the elements, the person there will probably pray for you if that's okay. Um, you can come up with your family, your spouse, you can come up as friends, it doesn't matter. Like, you, you, can, you can come up whenever you want. Um, so I'm going I'm to sing this song to you, uh, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask that you actually don't sing it. I just want you to sit and listen to it. It is very, very repetitive. And um, for some people, that might be very annoying. I find for myself that my head is thick and my heart is thick and I need repetition. The psalmists were often very repetitive, so I feel okay about it. But the song is called Here's My Heart. And it asks God to speak what is true because that's that's what we need. So I'm going to sing this song. Um, After that, Gary is going to explain uh, a little bit more about the communion. The band will play. Once the band starts playing, you can get up whenever you want and go to one of the stations. They're going to do several songs. There's no rush. Like, don't feel like, oh, it's time. I've got to go get up there. There's no rush at all. So um, the, the people that are leading communion, you can come up to your stations while I, uh, while I get this song going.